I'm already kind of worn out from all that worship. I feel like I climbed a, a mountain. No, not really. But that's on my bucket list. So welcome everyone. Welcome friends that are climbing. Welcome our friends from Spirit 105. Thank you for coming all the way out here. We're in the midst of a series called Living on Prayer. And we're looking at this very prayer that I started to hear some of you just from Sunday school days, I'm sure, and from our own worship, just started to uh, recite that along with, with Cindy, the Lord's Prayer. Jesus gave us a prayer that, that speaks to all of life. It, it sets our priorities straight. It, it helps strengthen our relationship with the living God. And the Lord's Prayer, in a way that we've been looking at these past few weeks, it's, it's like a launch pad. It's like a platform from which we can blast off, literally, in the power of God to come into his presence. Our prayers do make a difference. Amen? We can say amen if we've experienced that. God promises in his word that, that he hears the prayers of his children. So how's your prayer life? How's your prayer life? Sometimes folks will come to me uh, for pastoral counseling. Uh, I was going to be a, a therapist. I thought about that for a little while. But, but then I thought, gosh, I'd like to tell people uh, what to do too much. So I'll be a pastor. And then it took me about 20 years to learn. It's not about telling people what to do. It's about listening. And so often when an individual or a couple come to me, what I'm listening for is, is how their relationship with God is going. I know there's a conflict this way. How's your prayer life going? Max Lucado puts it this way about our prayers. He says, he says, our prayers may be awkward, our, our attempts may be feeble, but since the power of prayer is in the one who hears it and not in the one who says it, our prayers do make a difference. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you have experienced that difference. The difference of, of powerful prayer, not coincidence, but answered prayer. Because... You've been invited into the very presence of God. Hebrews chapter 4, 16 says, Approach God's throne room of grace with confidence, so that you may receive mercy and, quote, find grace to help us in our time of need. Amen? Yes, amen. But if we only come to God in our time of need, if we only come to pray, uh, when we're in trouble, then we're in trouble. Prayer is, is our way of life. Daily, power-packed praying. I know, sweetheart. I know. We'll get through it. Last Sunday, I did something I've never done before. I gave out my cell phone number to you all. And uh, you start I asked you to text in your, your very specific, practical daily bread type of prayer request. 144 prayer requests came in uh, that, that morning. And, and I invested about two hours of time. People were saying, well, did you actually respond? Did you have a bot that you hired? And like, no, I, 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 resp I responded in some back and forth. And I'll tell you, I don't know if there's anything better that I could do as your pastor than spend time in prayer specifically for you. What a beautiful time. Powerful time. So last week, we're, we're walking through this prayer. Last week, we looked at give us this day our daily bread, those practical needs. And, and this week, we go on to the fifth petition or the fifth request that Jesus has given us, uh, uh, one through seven, all these different petitions or requests, how we order our prayers. 
forgive us our debts. Forgive us our debts. Uh, Jesus is saying that the first part last week, he says, our, our most basic need we should pray for, our physical need. And now he's saying we need to pray for our spiritual need as well. And that need is defined as forgiveness. Pray for forgiveness. You say, wait, wait a second, Pastor Peter, I thought if I'm a Christian, if I put faith in Jesus, I thought I'm already forgiven. Yes, that's true uh, when it comes to salvation. That's true. Your positional forgiveness between you and God, uh, it, you're covered. Hallelujah. We've been singing about that all morning. That's your positional forgiveness. But relational forgiveness, the, the relationship that you have before God needs to constantly be updated. You need to clear the air between you and your Father in heaven. On a daily basis, Jesus calls us to. And the way I read it, Jesus is so concerned about praying for forgiveness, confessing our, our sin, getting those things off of our chest, laying them before God, that it's as important as eating is to physical life every day. Every day, unless you're on some crazy diet, you need to eat something. And he follows up by saying, and every day, spiritually, to stay spiritually strong, you need to ask God again for forgiveness. You need that, that healthy relationship with God. Now, you can't get very far with your prayers if you're not willing to confess what's really going on. You know, you, you come to the Lord and, and you say, well, God, I've got a list of things I want to pray for. Good things. Categorically positive things, selfless things. I'm praying for intercession for some person in, in great need. This person has surgery, God. Whatever it is, it's not about me at all. And spiritually, what's spiritually going on? I imagine God saying, okay, be, before we get to the list, you and I have some business to, to attend to. We need to confess our sins to God. As, as soon as we're aware of it, as soon as we're, we're aware, it's come up like, oh, I've missed it again. That, that attitude came up. Those words were spoken. Those, that behavior or that attitude. And, and God, I just want to confess that before you again. We want to maintain a close relationship with God. So on the cross of Jesus, he paid for all our sins, past, present, and future. That's the gospel message that, that this church is, has spoken from its foundation. Yes, and we need to maintain our relationship with God. Make sure that the way is always clear into his presence. To know that we're, we're forgiven because he was forsaken. We're accepted because he was rejected and, and he paid it all for us on the cross. And now Jesus, who continue, continues to restore us and renew us by the work of the Spirit, says, this is so primary. I want this to be part of your everyday prayer, a prayer life. So let's look a little closer at the text. Uh, Matthew 6, verse 12. We're looking at Matthew's version. If you still have it, that's okay. But here are the words. Jesus says, forgive us our debts. Now, in, in Luke's version, chapter 11, verse 4, uh, Luke writes, but Jesus said, forgive us our sins. How many of you grew up in a church where you said, forgive us our trespasses? Show of hands. Ooh, lots of people, yeah. Trespasses, right here too. So what's, what's going on? Why are there three different versions? Well, uh, it, it's quite simple. 
Jesus spoke Aramaic, which was the, the common language of first century Palestine. And in Aramaic, there is one word that means debt and sin. And so Matthew, uh, inspired by the Holy Spirit, writes down in the common Greek at that time, uh, the word in Greek that specifically means debt, a debt owed, that you have to pay some great sum of money, or think about all the things that debt includes. That's what Matthew defined it as. And Luke, again, goes to the Greek. He hears uh, the word in Aramaic, and he translates it as sin. A little bit more on the nose. A little bit more to the point. Luke wants to make sure his audience, which is a much more Gentile uh, non-Jewish, that, that they really get what Jesus was saying here. And then the word trespasses, well, that's just a, a specific type of sin, of having to do with um, failing to act in a way that's good or not doing something that's right, but it's, they're, they're one and the same. So living on prayer includes regular confession, regularly asking God's forgiveness, getting right with the Lord, being reminded that we could never earn God's grace or love, it's a debt paid for us. It's a gift for us, bought by Christ. Why is that all good? Because regular confession in the Christian life leads to greater confidence and greater joy. Well, that's about it, right? I think we can just finish there. That's the end of the sermon, right? That's all Jesus says about forgiveness, right? Wrong. Look what he said. Forgive us our debts as what? Really? Jesus connects our prayer for forgiveness with praying that we would forgive others. He's, he's praying, we're to pray that we would have a forgiving spirit. Forgive us our debts, and then there's that word, as. We forgive our debtors. What does as mean? Does it mean to the degree, forgive us to the degree that we forgive others? Well, I need a lot of forgiveness, so I need to forgive a lot. Is that, is it because? Is it a conditional because? Forgive me my debts, oh God. Because, I, is it simultaneous, like this thing won't happen until this thing happens? I mean, how far are we supposed to take this? I mean, we can kind of, we can kind of work around this, right, can't we? Can't we just skip that part of the text? Jesus knows us so well. That's why he goes on to say, verses 14 and 15. He knows that someone like me, I'm going to skip that part. And so he spells it out crystal clear. Peter, that's my name. Don't wear it out. If you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you, Peter. But if you Peter, do not forgive others their sins. Why does it have to say that? Your father will not forgive your sins. One day, the other Peter, the apostle, went to Jesus and said, how many times should I forgive my brother who sins against me? I mean, I don't want to be a doormat, Jesus, but he's really magnanimous. He said, should I forgive him seven times? I mean, seven times, and what does Jesus say? No, 77 times. And then Jesus goes on to tell a parable. He tells a story of, of a servant who owed a great debt to his boss, and he goes to his, his boss and just begs him to, to forgive this debt that there's no way he could pay in, in any lifetime. 
And the boss is so gracious that he forgives this great sum of money, clears the debt, pays the servant's bill. And then that same servant goes back to the living quarters, free as a bird, and finds another servant, a friend, who owes him about this much money and shakes him down, demanding the pay. Jesus says, and every parable always has a big turn. Jesus says, when the boss found out about that unforgiving servant, he took him, he threw him in jail until he could pay his way out of prison. And again, because Jesus knows that we're, well, wait a second, what about this particular situation? And to spell it out, he says these words in Matthew 18, 35, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Jesus wants us, he commands us to have a forgiving spirit. L listen, if I'm not willing to forgive someone, then I'm not asking God to forgive me when I pray this prayer. If I'm not willing to forgive someone, then I'm not asking God to forgive me when I pray this prayer. I'm only asking God to excuse me. That's all I'm doing. To lessen my blame. To take the edge off. To, to hear my side of the story inside with me. But I'm not asking for forgiveness. I'm not asking for blood-bought, paid-at-the-cross forgiveness. No, instead I'm being self-defensive. I'm, I'm trying to justify myself and, and I'm really being self-righteous. Here's how this works if you're taking notes. Three words I want you to, to understand and take notes on. The first word is justice. Justice is getting what I deserve, right? Can we agree? That's justice. Justice is getting what you deserve. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. And grace is getting what you don't deserve. You follow me on that? When I pray, Father, forgive me, I'm asking God not to exercise justice. God is holy. God is other. God is so great. And I have offended God, his call in my life. And I'm asking when I say, forgive me, God, I'm asking, do not give me justice. I'm saying, Father, you have every right to give me what I deserve. You have every right to give me discipline. But I'm asking you not to do it. Instead, I'm asking the Father to exercise mercy. Say, God, I have, I have nothing to claim, but, but Jesus, I can only claim that I'm covered by Jesus, so please show me, show me mercy, grant me your grace, a grace that, that, that I couldn't earn, there's no way I deserve it, I can't earn it, just show me that favor, oh God. That's all well and good. That's the gospel, that's the unearnable love of God. But if I have an unforgiving spirit, what am I saying? Oh God, give me grace, but give her justice. God, give me grace, but that kind of person should go to hell. Justice for them, grace for me. And there's a disconnect, isn't there? Give me more of you, God, more love, more life. And teach them a lesson. And that can be an individual, 
or group of people, they? What's going on in our heart? What's going on in our heart when we're demanding justice and yet we're pleading our case for grace? That we deserve it. We're not living out the fundamentals of the gospel. Psalm 103, 10 to 12. God does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Some of us here have someone in our life that we need to forgive. I'm looking around. I see some elbows. Some of us here have someone say, Pete, if you, if you only knew what you're asking me, if you only knew the situation, how unforgivable it is, and you know what I want to say to you? I say, I, I've been there. I get it. I hear that. Can I take you by the hand? And she says, no, it's okay. Take, take my hand. Let's walk up to the cross and see Jesus hanging on the cross and tell him how, do you know how hard it is to forgive these people, Jesus, this person in my life? And when he hung on a cross to say, Father, forgive them, they're not asking for forgiveness, are they? They don't know what they're doing, do they? Forgive them. You and I are most like him when we love sacrificially, when we're humble, and when we have a forgiving spirit, which means we are less like him when we're selfish, more concerned about uh, our uh, profit and our pleasure, when we're prideful and and conceited, when we have an inflated self-image, which sounds a lot like um, we're constantly talking about ourselves. You ever know someone who's really conceited? You know someone who's really conceited? How do they talk? It's always I, 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 me, me, me. Every story kind of revolves around them. Do you know that kind of person? Imagine the Father in heaven listening to prayers like that all the time. I, 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 me, me, me. I can never get a word in in edgewise because we just come and talk instead of shh, listen. If you're doing all the talking in prayer, you're not listening. There's a good chance you're becoming conceited instead of conceding, yielding, surrendering, relinquishing control to the Holy Spirit. We are most like Jesus when we have a forgiving spirit. And we're least like him when we are unforgiving. We just have a clenched fist. And unforgiveness goes hand in hand with self-righteousness. Jesus wants us to be the kind of people to experience God's mercy and grace, but then the kind of people who invite everybody to come. Is everyone invited through these doors? Yeah, everybody? Depending on what they do. What what if they do something wrong? What if they don't dress right, look right, vote right, live right? Are they still welcome to come and hear possibly the good news that Jesus Christ died for their sins and the Holy Spirit could do a work in their life? Are they welcome through this door? The doors are all closed. It would be easy to keep them closed the whole morning. But he says, open, forget about the doors, open your heart to other people. You know, when I was thinking about this text, I was thinking about what could I bring it home with like what lord what when you think about an unforgiving spirit and somehow that's connected to being 
kind of conceited and that's connected to being self-righteous. What text would you draw me to, God? And so he, he drew me to this text in, in Luke's gospel, in Luke chapter 18, and it'll be here on the screen, and we're just going to walk through. And I love having this new pulpit that I can actually fit my Bible on. Better not lean on it too much, but here it is. Jesus told another parable. Remember, every parable has a big turn, a big twist, a big whoa moment. And he says, he says, uh, to some who were confident in their own righteousness and looking down on everyone else. You see how that connects self-righteousness and an unforgiving spirit? To those people, he told a little story. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Two men on the way up to the temple, which would make sense because the temple was, was, was up on a hill. One a Pharisee. It represents the best of the best, the most righteous, separated from any shenanigans in the culture, just completely would keep themselves separated so they could remain ceremonially clean. The other, a sleaze bag. Just insert whatever title you want for sleaze bag. That's what the tax collector would represent here in the story. They're both going to go pray. The Pharisee, the Pharisee stood by himself and, and prayed like this. God, count how many times he refers to himself in the first. I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. Is he like other people? No, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. Is he living a stellar life? Yeah, is he like an evildoer, murderer? I mean, gosh, no, he's not like any of those people. Does he give, uh, uh, does he fast twice a week? I don't fast twice a week. Does he, he tithe? Yes. This guy's fantastic. And so we're waiting for the punchline, which is God would bless this one. Verse 13. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God have mercy on me, a sinner. So you're hearing the story, we pause right here and you think, well, good. He should feel terrible about himself. You know, finally he's figuring it out, right? That's what Jesus' first hearers would, would think. And little do they know the, the turn that's about to come. Verse 14, I tell you, this man, rather than the other, this sinner, this sleazebag, rather than the stellar pillar of of society, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. A shocking reversal. Trying to justify himself, trying to excuse himself, instead of coming to God and asking forgiveness, and knowing, God, you've, you've forgiven me so much, how could I hold a grudge against somebody? God, help me to find it within myself to forgive. I know I can't forget this painful thing, and the relationship may never be the same, right? We don't, we understand boundaries, but help me to have a forgiving spirit, God, so I can be more like you, Jesus. I want to be conformed to your likeness. The tax collector looked away from himself. He had nothing to plead but just mercy. And he's the one 
went home right with God. Who is worthy to come to the foot of the cross? Who's worthy? All people who do not deserve grace. Jesus said, you'll never be more like me than when you forgive. I love that Paul said this little challenge for Monday morning. We're, we're recording online, so we won't mention it. But remember what he said at the beginning, if we're listening Monday morning. and you know, Thank you, Sarah. And if you hear that song, come to the altar, you can win a prize. Rob's going to come out in just a moment. We're going to sing that song. A greater prize than any prize. The prize of Christ. And so as I pray, if you just want to close your eyes as you're sitting here. And I want you to call to mind that person that hurt you, offended you. I want you to call to mind those people that you want to God to bring judgment against. And we see examples of that throughout the Psalms, that kind of praying. He takes it, he can take our emotion. We don't have to sugarcoat it, we don't have to sanitize it. We can bring all of ourselves and say, God, this makes me so mad. But vengeance is the Lord's. Lord God, we come to your table. We come to your altar now. Pray, God, that you would draw us to yourself. God, there are things in our lives that we need to get right with you, God. It's not enough just to ignore and, and just to pretend that they're not real. But God, there really is barriers between us and you. And there's a channel of power that's available to us if we would only confess it to you. And like that tax collector say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Lord, there are other people that we need to take by hand and, and lead them to your presence. So as we sing this song, God, we pray that we would do that in, in, in a supernatural way. We would draw those people to, to you. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And all God's children said,